0: This is bottom of the bill. What to you is like the scenario where you'd be like, oh man, I'm happy. Like, you know, this is yeah. where I want to be resting.
1: Well, I guess I should maybe preface that by saying that I don't take anything for granted and I don't feel like uh, I don't, I'm not grateful or anything. I'm very of grateful for, for where I am in my career, of course. But if you don't continue to make goals, then you you won't. You know, proceed. You won't. You might as well just stop where you are. I would like the sort of like touring aspect of, of my thing to to kind of grow and blossom a little bit. Maybe be more comfortable. I don't have a tour bus. I don't have a sound person. I barely have a tour manager. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm grateful that she is is still wanting to work with us because. <laughs> normally tours with people who do giant stadium pop tours with giant stadium pop budgets and I don't have that you know so my goal is to is to play the music I want to play with the people I care about and take care of them the best I absolutely can and I know I we can do but you can always do better now will everyone have their own tour bus one day I probably not (laughs) 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 or whatever it is but that's not necessarily the goal the way it is now is I I definitely feel like I'm in the building stage and every tour just gets a little bit better and, and certain things are different and more logistically sound and and go smoother and and of course there's things on the road that you can't fix you know flights get delayed trains get you know stopped whatever it is Uh, and you just kind of roll with it but you know yeah one one tour at a time i think is how we're taking it
0: welcome everybody to another episode of bottom of the bill this week we are joined with melody in the building how you doing mel she doesn't feel like talking right now What's up, Chris? How you doing? Chilling.
2: Yeah. Doing well. I'll yeah. say slightly more than melody. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
2: yeah, I'm fucking tired today, dude. Yeah, I, uh, we played last night, and it was an early gig, but it's still just four-hour gigs. It doesn't matter what time they are. They just wipe you out. Yeah. Uh, it was fun, though. It was good. Cool.
0: Um, anything interesting happened this week that you want to talk about?
2: Pretty chill week. The uh, The EP dropped last night at midnight so the Alchematic ep is live and in the world um got some finishing touches for like the spotify stuff to put out on that but um then we turn around and play this weekend it's been just a ton of rehearsals and everything um between the ep show we did rhythm section on sunday harmony rehearsal tuesday or wednesday um full band is tomorrow morning And then Patsy's is coming out of hiatus and playing a festival in Palatka. So we had uh, two rehearsals for that. And then we were on the news yesterday morning. So it's just been a busy week of rehearsing more than anything. We had five rehearsals this week and a news appearance. So it was good. Yeah. It was good. The news is fun Uh, playing for those guys. It's, It's funny. In any industry, at any level, people are still just people. It's so funny. It is like it on on camera they are clean everything's running super efficient it's great then you get back there and they're all just like us in the band just kind of like you know talking smack running around getting there like wait do we have this let's go get it and running around it's like oh yeah these are our people yeah (laughs) in production everyone is the same we're all
0: equals (laughs) i feel like everything like there's always this thing where people get so worried about last minute things happening but even at the highest levels
2: like everything still gets down to the wire just being able to roll with it is is key i forget i forget the um one of the host names yesterday but he was even kp just made a note of how like well he was rolling with stuff like not even in our segment and our performance and stuff he would like we'd see him on the other set and like we're watching the feed and like something happens and he just rolls with it makes a joke and goes on with we're like yep he's improvising just like the rest of us it's all music yeah um But that was fun. You can actually go see some of those videos on the First Coast Living uh, set. We did a Patsy tune and one of the originals that we have for Patsy, so that was fun. Um, Then we're playing double, both these bands are playing this weekend. It's going to be good music. Oh, yeah. Other than that, it's been chill. It's just been making sure I got all these uh, tunes down and everything arranged and stuff like that. So kind of a... uh, not boring, but a uh, not an action-packed week. It's very just like a technical. Get everything in line. Get it ready to roll. Yeah. Um, what about you? You do anything crazy? Not really. Uh, we were supposed to. We have a,
0: a gig coming up November fourteenth um, at Jack Rabbit's with Baked Shrimp. I'm playing. Put together a really fun band with uh, Brandon Howell on drums. Aaron Thorla on keys and Kevin Ramos on bass. Yeah. So it's going to be a really fun show. We got some cool tunes we're working up. Uh, We were supposed to rehearse this week, but wasn't able to happen. So we're going to try and get some rehearsals in before I go to L.A. next week.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. So,
0: um, yeah, that was really it. I'm just focusing on
2: shedding those tunes. Yeah, getting the... Because it's been pretty much just cover stuff for the, for a hot second. So this is kind of, even though these are cover tunes, it's like a more specialized.
0: Yeah, we get to do like, you know, everyone kind of, well, I mean, Brandon picked a song. I picked a bunch of tunes. Uh, I know Kevin's talking about throwing one in the hat. And uh, so I think with this, it's just, it's fun because, yeah, it's been a lot of cover gigs and just trying to figure out what's next since, since Side Hustle broke up. And uh, this is just gonna be a fun thing to like, like songs to to play that I've never had the opportunity to like play before, Mm -hmm. Uh, get to play with people. Outside of Kevin, I don't really get to play with Aaron or Brandon very often. Yeah, totally. So um, I'm excited about that. It's gonna be fun. Tickets will be on sale. Uh, I'll be posting links and stuff in the description and uh, it'll be a really great show. And Baked Shrimp is an awesome band. We just had um, Jared Jared on the podcast. Uh, episode will be dropping before the show, uh, so you guys can check out, uh, that and also, uh, Baked Shrimp because they're a lot of fun. They're a really great band. Yeah. So jam band from Long Island. So yeah, man, that's what's been going on. And then, uh, now the moment that everyone's been waiting for. Drum roll. We've got uh Mark Lethierry on the podcast this week, guys, which is super big for us. We were it was amazing to talk to him. I mean, what a what a, a musical mind and genius, but also super down to earth and like just willing to have a conversation, which is, yeah, you know, it's it's awesome, man. You never know. Sometimes with like super talented artists, it's like it can go one way or the other. Sometimes you don't know if it's like they're going to be like, you know, talking to a wall because <laughs> there's so much going on in here. Or if it's, uh, or you know, they could be super eccentric, but Mark was awesome. He was a really cool dude.
2: Yep. Just so, a dude that plays guitar real good. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, and we have the bucket right here that we're gonna be drawing a name from. Mm-hmm. So, thank you to everybody who entered first. Uh, it means a lot to us that you guys tuned in and that you were uh, interested enough in what we're doing to participate. And big shout out to Ace Music Products, um, Strings by Aurora, and Carmadon for donating a bunch of awesome stuff for this. Uh, it was really, it's always a pleasure to work with anybody that wants to help us grow this thing. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and pick the winner right now. Another drum roll, Chris. Melody's freaking out.
2: It's too much stuff. We
0: have literally hundreds, if not thousands of people that <laughs> entered this competition. it so. makes
2: the kill Tony bucket pool look <laughs> like scraps. It's
0: really though, honestly, Matt, tell your boy to step it up. Uh, okay. And the winner is Chris Pruitt. Yeah. Cool. Oh, hell yeah. Awesome. Chris. Well, we're going to go ahead and we'll, we'll link up with you to get your information and uh, send you this awesome uh, care package that we got from all these amazing companies. So thank you again for entering. Thank you for everybody who participated. Uh, It means a lot to us. And without further ado, the legend, Mark Lettieri. This is Bottom of the Bill. Mark, uh, thanks so much for being with us today, man. We really appreciate it yeah my pleasure dude looking forward to it we've both been listening to the uh out by midnight uh album. congratulations on oh, releasing nice. that and uh thanks man yeah man um, really been enjoying it uh it's pretty cool that you guys are able to perform such um high level music and in a live setting and then put it out as a record and not have to worry about like you know uh Messing up or putting out like a subpar performance? I'm curious. Are you guys? <laughs> well, it's definitely
1: not perfect.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the uh, that's that's the beauty of the live element. Um, you know, I, I but I hope so. Um, it's 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 been awesome, man. Uh, did you guys do all that in in one night, or do you, is it like a compilation of a few different nights? It's
1: uh, it's it was recorded over two nights. The majority of the songs are for the second night. Okay. Um, I think there's maybe three of the 14 – well, I'd have to go back and, and look, but I, I, I remember most of it being from the second night. And, you know, I figured that was kind of going to happen because, you know, first night jitters or whatever, <laughs> and the second yeah. night you kind of relax and, and just play more like you're playing a show rather than thinking about you're making a recording. I, I personally don't really like doing live recording specifically for that reason. I don't like that added pressure, but, you know, I understand it's necessary. And, of course, I've always just wanted a great recording of that ensemble. So I had to just kind of suck it up and do it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, it seems that
0: there's elements of it that are improvised, yeah?
1: Yeah, I mean, the solo sections are all improvised. I mean, the songs, we're we're playing the songs as as written, but um, there's always improvisation during the solos, and then in certain sections where we'll kind of jam or uh, elongate things and kind of explore different sonic territories, so to speak. And how
0: do you find that uh, uh, dynamic to work, I guess, in a live album setting versus like a, a studio setting? Do you find that it's easier to do the improv stuff when you're going live or is is it or do you do you want to go to to like a more composed approach when you're in the studio versus live
1: Mm. Um, generally speaking yes the studio versions of the songs are are pretty specifically arranged there's extra parts of course there's you know overdubs and things like that but the core of the compositions don't change and so as long as we're putting that forth uh primarily then then we kind of just let the the mood of the evening take the the song where it needs to go uh in terms of improv imp- improvisation um <clears throat> so really my goal is just even when I go to make an album is just to try to have the coolest material I can and then if the material is good it'll it'll work in a live context or a studio context or as a trio or as a quartet or a quintet or you know maybe even it's solo guitar, who knows. Um, <clears throat> so that's my goal, is that if, if I feel like the material is solid, then then it'll manifest itself how it's supposed to in the studio, and then again in the live realm. And, and the band is really good at taking the music different places, kind of depending on where it needs to go on each night, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. totally um are are you writing with these guys that you're playing live with, or is it like a different uh lineup on the sessions or how's that work
1: yeah um no, the music is all written by me um and then it's recorded with uh a fair well i guess spanning seven or so records that we encompassed on that there's there's a few different rhythm sections and different players that that contributed to the studio records but the the core drum and bass section of of Wes Stevenson and JT Jason Thomas has have been with me since the beginning so they've played on every record um even That's, if they're not on every song necessarily but they've played on every record and they've played the majority of my gigs and so um having Daniel the keyboard player Daniel Porter uh brought in he's kind of the newest guy he um hasn't played on a studio record of mine yet so he's kind of uh, having to approximate and, and interpret all the different keyboard parts that I've had other players play over the years. Um, but he does a great job at it, so it's it's really great to have him a part of that to kind of fill out the sound. So. Yeah, man. Uh, it's, it's interesting to me when I hear
0: about musicians that are able to kind of play with the same lineup that they've uh, been working with for so long. Do you mm-hmm. think that there's something about... Uh, um, well, let me rephrase it this way. Is there something that you do um, outside of like just the, the music where you guys obviously connect so well on, is there something that you do as like, you know, a facilitator of the thing that, keep, that keeps people kind of wanting to keep working in this situation? Cause it's hard, right? I mean, like mm, gigs yeah. come and go and things can get flaky and there's,
1: there's egos right. that can clash. I'm just curious as right. to how you manage all that stuff. Sure. Well, I mean, we're friends first, so that kind of always comes before maybe the employee-employer relationship, I guess. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, technically, I'm a solo artist, and so, you know, I I call – uh, who I want to play with and, ho- and hopefully they're available. I mean, that's kind of how it is, you know, right. I mean, I have the guys that I really like and, and, and I'm grateful that they like to play the, the records and to do the tours. And, you know, I um, facilitate the business aspect as best and as professionally and as thoroughly as I can uh, to hopes that they will want to continue to keep playing and <laughs> hopefully it's worth their time, you know? Um, but I also try to make sure that musically uh, they feel like they can express themselves. I mean, I know it's not, quote-unquote their music but they've certainly put their foot in it (laughs) and 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 interpreted it and and obviously yes they've contributed to to the studio recording so in a in a sense it is kind of their music too even if they maybe they didn't write the songs um but you know uh yeah, I, I guess I'm just grateful that they have that they still want to do it <laughs> <laughs> after all these years. I mean, because Wes and JT specifically have been on gigs where you know there was nobody there and we weren't making any money, and then it was just kind of what it was. And um, and you know now it's a little bit more professional and we're getting a little more taken care of. And you know it's it's not where I want it to be, but it's getting there. You know, so the- I have to respect that that they've given their time and um, and efforts to it. So
0: yeah. Um- so when you say that it's not where you want it to be um that's definitely a very relatable thing for most musicians i think um yeah, and then it's it's funny because like you know people that are at a certain level might look at where you're at and be like holy shit like what a what a dream and then i'm sure you have people that you look at where you're like mm-hmm. man what a like that must be like everything where right. like, where do you what to you is like the scenario where you're where you'd be like, oh man, I'm happy. Like you know, this is yeah. where I want to be resting at.
1: Right. Well, I guess I should maybe preface that by saying that I don't take anything for granted, and I don't feel like uh, I don't. I'm not grateful or anything. I'm very of grateful course. for for where I am in my career, of course. But um, if you don't have your if you don't continue to make goals, then you you won't you know proceed. You won't. You might as well just stop where you are. Um, so you know, I, I want to have. Uh, I, I would like the sort of like touring aspect of, of my thing to, to kind of grow and blossom a little bit, maybe be more comfortable, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't have a tour bus. I don't have a sound person. I don't, you know, I I barely have a tour manager. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm grateful that she is, is still wanting to work with us because <laughs> normally tours with people who do giant stadium pop tours with giant stadium pop budgets, and I don't have that, you know, so uh I, I i my my goal is to is to play the music i want to play with the people i care about and take care of them the best i absolutely can and right. i know i we can do but you can always do better you know now will everyone have their own tour bus one day probably not <laughs> 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 or whatever it is but that's not necessarily the goal uh you know I just it, the way it is now is I, I definitely feel like I'm in the building stage and every tour just gets a little bit better and, and certain things are different and more logistically sound and, and go smoother. And, and of course, there's things on the road that you can't fix. you know, flights get delayed, trains get you know stopped, whatever it is, uh, and you just kind of roll with it. but um, you know, yeah, one, one tour at a time, I think is how we're taking it.
0: Yeah, man. Well, it's cool. I, I'm sure it helps like everybody that's involved when they see the growth. I feel like there's, um, you know, musicians can be and, and anybody really working in the industry. I feel like kind of has this thing where, um, people are willing to kind of offset some of their, uh, needs or whatever. If they see the, like the overall picture, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you're sure. doing stuff and like musically, especially if you're, if you believe in it, um then and you're and then you're going out and you might be taking some hits here and there but like you're seeing small growth over time that's definitely an, like you know that can be very re, like reassert reaffirming i guess for everybody involved
1: right yeah and, and I, you know i think that's the case with anybody that's done their own project or uh, written their own songs or anything and, and i think um you know the 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 people that I play with primarily have all at one point led their own thing or done their own sort of artistic thing that is uniquely theirs that they are in charge of. <laughs> right. So they kind of all understand. I mean, you know, snarky puppy, for example, is a band full of band leaders <laughs> basically. And so we all kind of get it. Like everyone at that point, By now, I think almost everyone in the band has done their own record or something. Right. Even before the band was taken off, guys had their own... I had my own band. Chris McQueen had his own band. You know, a lot of people had their own projects that were were trying to make happen. So we all understood kind of the struggle of it. And and, um, But, you know, at the end of the day, like, uh, um, it's my responsibility to take care of people. So I I do the best I can. and, And, you know... Ultimately, if the whole thing fails, I fail the worst because <laughs> I'm—I mean, plenty of times I pay people even if I don't make money. You know, that's just how it is. <laughs> that's that's the burden. <laughs> that's just uh, the game. That's the ball game. You know. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I'm—I'm I'm curious also because I, I like this idea of setting goals. I think it's just kind of like you know the standard for any business that's trying to, to grow and operate. Uh, Like having small goals and then, you know, Mm -hmm. to hopefully obtain your bigger goals and objectives. Are there like any examples? Because, you know, obviously again, like like wanting to keep growing from where you're at right now. What are some examples of things you might do, like I guess just levels that you might set
1: that you want to reach for the next time around and how you plan on getting to those points? Totally. Great question. Well, um, the plan is to kind of keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, there's not too many changes necessarily or drastic changes that, that would alter things. It's really just a, you just keep building and building and repeating. Um, you know, we tour a lot overseas, for example, um, in Europe, et cetera. I would love to have, uh, a way to drive ourselves around from gig to gig with our own gear. You know, that might sound like a crazy thing to ask, but we don't do that. We get on planes every day, we get on trains, and we use backline, right? So Oof. every day we're plugging into different amps, we're setting up different drum sets and hoping it's cool. You know, I would love to have a bus with a trailer, with a crew that, help, that helps us put all our stuff that we know is the same night to night, <laughs> like <laughs> right. a real band, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, and we'll get there, I'll get there uh, it's, it's at some point, it, um, you know. I'd love to be able to tour that way in the States too, you know, right. uh, currently it, it's just, and it's all finances to be honest. If we're, yeah, that's are if, if we're talking like two dudes <laughs> being real about the music business, <laughs> you know, if I have a bigger budget, I can travel the way we want to travel with the gear we want to have at stay in the places we would like to stay in, you know, thankfully i get to play really great venues. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm I feel like I'm at a point now where, uh, You know, we're playing good rooms, nice rooms that have good staff and good uh, sound equipment, and and, um, the crowds are coming, and that's all great. And so you just keep doing it over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) It's like beating a dead horse until, like, well, you know, the horse isn't dead. (laughs) You just keep feeding it water and carrots and whatever else and get on to the next trail, man. Right.
0: So, um, when you're, uh, when, when you're going to these venues and you're, uh, I'm going to nerd. I, this is the kind of stuff like we'll get back to the music stuff. I, I nerd out on this on like the behind the scenes stuff so much cause I have had sure. to run my own bands at such a low. Level and had to just like squeeze something
1: out of nothing well, it's a good name you got a good name for your podcast. I've definitely oh, but, been the bottom of the bill many times Mike. I still true. am you know <laughs> pu- puppet show and Mark Lethiry really, really. <laughs> like the quote spinal tap yeah, that's a good one mm-hmm.
0: um so when you're going to these venues and you're doing the backline like you're you're getting the backline stuff and you're not bringing your own gear, this is stuff that ultimately kind of also eats into your overhead, right? So, like, because you're having to rent stuff from places or... Yeah. Yeah. It
1: can. Yeah, it can. I mean, and it it sort of depends on the situation. In Europe, venues are more likely to include backline as part of the deal Mm. um, or the venues have them just because that's just the way it is over there. It's just they're just used to backlining gigs. And so it's either worked into the deal as part of your advance or um or they have house backline um in the united states that's maybe 50 50 you know well we don't have backline we don't bring it in here's where you can park a trailer <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know we've all been there too right um and so uh yeah i mean heck there was a uh, the latiri group did a tour back in the spring at, i guess it was 21 and it was a great tour it was fun we played a lot of nice shows and good crowds but like um we were able to rent a drum set, but we had to put it in different cases so that we could fit it in the back of the Suburban that I rented um, because I didn't want to do a trailer because we were playing like in big cities and parking and tra- it's just not right <laughs>
0: there. Yeah. It's just,
1: I don't need that kind of stress in my life. Yeah. So we rented a Suburban. We had a keyboard. We had a bass amp. We had the drums. And then I just borrowed guitar amps at every gig. I either borrowed them from a friend in town or I or the venue luckily had one. And that's how we rolled, you know, lean and mean, man. Yeah, lean Those and suburbans mean. Suburbans are nice. They go fast. They, but, um, <laughs> and, may, but, you know, somebody might hear hearing this and be like, well, that was, why did you do that? That's silly. And it, that's what worked. That's what worked for us. That's what worked for the budget. That's what worked for the situation. So, you know, I mean. It, try it parking a trailer in Times Square. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the thing, right? It's like when, when
0: you're driving yourself, these are all things that are like you have to take into account, Play, yeah. you know, because like you playing were, guitar
1: is the last thing on my mind. It, that's
0: <laughs> so true. And it's so, <laughs> it's so annoying that it has to be that way, but it is what it is and you make it work. It and is you, what it is. It's yeah. a labor of love for a long time. But, um, you know, because there, like, we had a, we had a GMC van that we took around up until it just broke down and the band ended sure. up breaking up. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. uh, but we had a GMC van that we took around for a long time and we didn't do any trailers or anything like that. We just, we just stacked the PA in the car or in the we're van with all of our stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. We were, I mean, we were really slumming oh, it, dude. I mean, we had like bar gigs in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina type shit, you know, just trying to yeah. figure out how to tour, you know, um, yeah. but uh, uh, but yeah, so we would do that kind of stuff. And then like, like you're saying, you pull up to a venue and then it's like, well, there's no designated parking. Uh, so you have to try and do that. And it's like, well, you know, we get here two hours before showtime. We need an hour to sound check before you open the doors. And then we have an hour to hopefully like unload all of our stuff, find parking, get merchandise set up. That way we can be done with that and then think about sound check and then get ourselves into a space to play a show. And so, yeah, like to me driving and like doing that in a suburban makes way more sense than doing a whole trailer in a van and the whole thing, because Mm. again, like, you have X amount of time and when you're in a place like New York or any big city trying to find parking is just insane, you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean my my friends my friend uh, great guitar player Craig Greg cock. I don't know if you know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. One of the baddest dudes on the planet. Uh, He played the same room maybe a couple weeks later and he they drive a trailer. And he uh they parked it at some friend's house in like Long Island or something. <laughs> and <laughs> no. then just like used the back line at the venue. So it's like there's ways around it, you know. Um and, and maybe we'll succumb to the trailer life. But, you know, I, I, I guess it's just maybe my personality. Like I'll sacrifice my personal sound preferences and whatever as long as everyone else in the band can hopefully have what they want. So um you know but it but I, it lucked out because i you know some of the venues you know the, the iridium for example where we played that has nice they do have nice back line, so thank god for the iridium um but then you know some of the other towns i just lucky i have friends that have nice amps <laughs> 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 they were able to bring to the shows for me you know well, you've probably built up so. quite a network at this point around the country, uh, especially in the <laughs> A cities. little bit, yeah, a little bit. And I had some help from from an endorser. Uh, Paul Reed Smith was able to, to drop ship a couple things out, but of course they can't, you know, they can't ship at all the places. You know, <laughs> we lucked out because they had a sales rep in one of the territories, and he was able to bring something. But you know, oh, the other man. ones, it's like, hey man, uh, you know, I'm calling former skype students and things. <laughs> <laughs> it's like i think i maybe i may have even put something out on facebook like does anybody have a 60 watt tube clean amp i don't give a crap what it is just bring it please yeah, tickets talk. i'll buy you a beer you know <laughs>
0: Talk about uh, an exercise in humility for a minute, <laughs> you know.
1: Well, you know. All right,
0: guys, this episode's brought to you by Best Buds CBD Store. If you're like me, maybe THC isn't always the right high for you. Or maybe the legal status of THC has you a bit hesitant to indulge. So at Best Buds CBD Store, they have an array of CBD and Delta-8 THC products. These guys truly care about their service, so everything is meticulously sourced and prepared to deliver a top-notch product and experience. If you head to their website, you'll find all kinds of educational information Regarding Delta THC and CBD, uh, not to mention if you use promo code BOTBPOD, that's B-O-T-B-POD, you'll save 10% on your order. This is not a one-time deal. If you use promo code BOTBPOD, every time you place an order with Best Buds, it will give you 10% off. That's in perpetuity forever. So head over to bestbudscbdstore.com and start saving on all of your CBD and Delta a products. Enjoy, guys. For me, if I, I get so scattered before shows, if I'm the one doing everything and worry about every little part that when it comes to be showtime, it's very hard for me to, um, you know, clear my head and not think about all the details. Even while we're playing, you're looking at, you know, how many people are in the room, you know, it's a bar selling, you know, all those things. So you, you must have the music to like, so under your fingers and in your head that, um, or, or you're just able to like clear your head totally and get into that space when it's showtime mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. what is like what are you doing to kind of help you clear your head before you get on to the and to perform
1: yeah uh well, it's a combination of both i mean i i I definitely know my own songs pr- pretty well. Mo- most of the time uh it's funny uh j t probably knows them better than anybody uh he'll correct me often and he's always right you know (laughs) uh which is great he's kind of like the md or something i don't know (laughs) yeah drummers have a hat well some drummers yeah um he he does definitely but uh you know so so i feel comfortable about the music thankfully and and i practice a lot before i go on tour i shouldn't Mm -hmm. say a lot but uh we don't really rehearse necessarily unless there's like a couple of new tunes I want to throw in or old songs we haven't played in a lot. We might meet one afternoon and, and jam for two hours and that's it or something. But, uh, I, I definitely go through what I want to play here at home and, and get it together so that I don't have to think about it when I'm on the road. Um, and then usually, man, it's a couple minutes in the green room warming up. And then I look at the set list just to remember what I put first and then, <laughs> and then we go play. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of running around, you know, getting in there and, and, and if, you know if i don't have a tour manager with me then i'm setting up the merch and and making sure everybody's you know backline whatever it is the situation there is that night making sure that it's set up and and good to go and you know learning the sound person's name and uh the front of house person's name and all that stuff and and um making sure that the catering is or whatever we're eating is <laughs> we we have time to do that i think that's probably the one thing that's mostly on my mind is like planning dinner (laughs) yeah you know it's like well if we get in at two it's gonna take us an hour to set up our sound checks are quick i mean we maybe check for 30 40 minutes really um so we get set up we run through a couple tunes you know the band we kind of mix ourselves you know like we sort of know the tunes we can play to a room really well uh, and so most sound crews don't have to do a lot of work Mm -hmm. with us and so sound checks go quick and then i'm thinking like okay that leaves two hours do we want to go back to the hotel do the guys want to order in do we have you know is there a place next door we can go eat you know there's all these sort of things um and uh having a tour manager helps a lot like in europe those decisions are not mine i just go like when do we play yeah (laughs) yeah i can kind of turn my brain off a little bit um so as the situ, as the logistics and the finances get better stateside, I will. I will. That's probably the next piece of the puzzle. Uh, is is a TM for the states, and then and then probably a sound person. And then I'm gonna need. Then I'm probably gonna need a trailer, or uh, I'd like a one of those splitter sprinters. Oh, those are yeah. pretty cool. I'm kind of surprised that like they haven't designed something that's like kind of a like that isn't that big but isn't as small as a suburban you know like yeah they need a half and they need a halfway like a cargo thing with like good s- seats but not a million seats right right you know yeah so that way GM, you don't have to... toyota if you're listening you know <laughs> elon <laughs> yeah <laughs> whoever <laughs> spacex you want to build one of these things yeah i think that would be great
0: yeah that way you, you don't know? have to do so much like uh kind of refurbishing after the fact you know it's a you gotta like a lot of the time you have to go in there and like take seats out and then like people will like build these yeah. whole things out it becomes like a mission where it's like you know if there was something there was like there was less work going into it on the front end to make
1: it you know travelable well what they what they should make the the four and we're getting real into the weeds here i'm sorry it, if you're, no if i love it audience <laughs> is like this guy i don't want to talk to this dude anymore uh <laughs> The Ford Transit, 15 passenger, great yeah. ride. It's good ride. If they made a version that had like two-thirds the amount of seats and the back was solid with no windows, like a cargo space, Yeah, you could put a four or five-piece band in there no problem, and it would be great. Yeah. Because when, we, when we, we did a tour, with my band, four-piece, just the four of us in California, and we t- had a Transit, and we just took two seats out, and everything fit great. But but you know, you have the windows there, so it's like kind of a security risk. So we had like blankets and whatever. But like if they had a transit that was two thirds passenger, one third solid blocked off cargo. That would be the, I would buy one. Probably. Yeah. And then it might be kind of expensive, so maybe I won't. <laughs> yeah. But I would rent I would rent one You'd from rent Bandigo. One. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so yeah. come on with it, man. <laughs> <laughs> My
0: friend has one of those transits. He uses it mostly for like Bar gigs though, but he he like has these like super heavy duty road cases that he uses for everything mm-hmm. with his RPA sure. and like he stacks that to the brim, and then he still has room like t- towards the front for whatever else he needs. So it's like yeah, I mean they're super There's heavy. It's definitely duty. a way.
1: I, I man, it'd be super awesome if like maybe one day if I end up with just like Guns and Roses money, like I'll I'm gonna start a car company that builds traveling vehicles for for bands on the run you know that's <laughs> yeah. what i'm going to do with my money i think well i wonder what the market share is for, for, i don't for know touring we'll, put, well we'll put we'll put u-haul out of business so, yeah. no one will rent you no one will rent trailers anymore
2: so that we there can you get go. all those
1: folks can rent vans from from uh you know
0: fucking latiri vans latiri vans (laughs) u-haul has uh has taken so much of my money over the years i (laughs) will say (laughs) all the trailers i've rented from them (laughs) oh boy um what do you say chris i was gonna say
2: not to be confused with your shoe line and latiri vans but (laughs) oh right (laughs) (laughs) rent a van
1: get a free pair of
2: vans (laughs) are you go ahead chris No, no no no
0: no um Mark, are you uh are, are you uh, are you into
1: uh like skating and stuff like that? Man, I was never a skater. No. Um no, I was uh it was it was a thing though growing up. You know, I I'm old enough to remember when Tony Hawk like, you know Landed hit the, the nine hundred or yeah, dude. like Tony Hawk's pro skater and all that. And, yeah, I grew up in California, so of course skating was big, but no, I was into more traditional sports like soccer and track and field and Stuff like that.
0: I was gonna say you you are a uh, you are you still like working out and stuff. You look like you're pretty in shape.
1: Oh, thanks. Uh, I do. Yeah, I, I ride. I got into cycling um, f- semi-seriously, and so I ride uh, a couple days a week. Okay. Um, I actually was on a ride this morning and got a flat tire and realized I didn't bring my CO2 cartridge, so I had to call my wife to come pick me up. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that's. <laughs> She's great. She's like, I'll be right over. You
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, how do you maintain that, uh, that lifestyle when you're, uh, when you're touring and, you know, in the mm. midst of all the music stuff? Uh, working out is a, is a lifestyle in itself, you know? Yeah,
1: well, I, I wouldn't consider myself like a, some kind of a fitness freak where, I, you know, I'm sort of addicted to going to the gym or anything like that. And I worked out so much in my teens and 20s. Like, you know, I ran track all through college every day you know i still have ptsd from (laughs) really from that not not really but but i mean that was intense that was the most intense athletic experience ever you know training for for that and so i'm kind of just like okay cool i don't think i need to get back to that ever again you know yeah Uh, but i ride my bike here at home um and then i have like different uh like plyometric circuit i think they call them hit workouts or something that that i'll do uh in the hotel or in the green room or just find a quiet place outside the venue and do it. You know, a lot of the guys in the band are into tennis now. In uh, okay. Snarky puppy. I mean, they, yeah, a couple of the guys and they play every day, you know, they're really into it. Uh, some of the guys like to run. I don't like jogging. It's awful. Uh, I would prefer to do like a very intense 30 minute or 20 minute workout in one place and just be done with it and not be running around all day. Yeah. So, I feel that what I do and you know if there's a hotel gym or something I might get in there but I can't bring the bike on tour unfortunately Right, not this
0: point, anyways. I'm sure once you get that tour bus money, you start bringing whatever you want. That's
2: what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, instead of towing behind a sports car, you're towing behind a cycle. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> just a whole car full of bikes, like the Tour de France, yeah. <laughs> be awesome.
0: Yeah. So, what kind of gear are you guys traveling around back there? It's like, no, those are bikes, like, dude. Uh, <laughs> Treks, you know,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, man, it's uh uh i'm so something that i, I that i try and like and this is kind of a weird thing but i'm it, 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 i'm just wondering if i'm alone in this because i i kind of been working out a lot in the, over the last few months just to, for a lot of different reasons but what i notice is that if i work out like really heavy um over the course of time like my playing i feel like gets like my fingers don't move as easy as they should do you ever notice that, and have um, you ever been like like you know decentivized I, and working out because of it?
1: I've never had that issue I, you probably just need to stretch,
0: yeah, probably the
1: guys who lift real heavy uh their backs are probably really tight, yeah, and if your back is tight, your whole body's gonna be tight, right, so I would just spend. You know, you can keep lifting heavy as long as you're really hydrated and and stretching and getting proper like recovery days and stuff like. Because then, you know, otherwise, yeah, your whole body just turns into a, you know, you look huge, but you can't put on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it's a balance, you know
0: yeah I've also been doing uh, like martial arts and stuff, which is like oh cool, well, that'll probably that,
1: screw up your hands pretty good,
0: <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> Unfortunately,
1: I, I would love to know how to do that, but
0: yeah, I have to be very careful with it. I tell the people like my my coaches and stuff I tell them like I can't spar hard, I can't do anything like because I've seen guys going out it at eight o'clock in the morning on a Monday and break their nose. I'm just like, yeah, dude, no I'm thanks. not doing that.
1: Well, you hit it, I mean, you break your wrist, then what are you going to do?
0: Yeah, know? luckily, so. I mean, I, I, I'm pretty good at w- with the wraps, and, like, I've gotten to a point where, like, you know, I, I know how to throw. Like, if I'm just working the bag, it's one thing. It's it's risky when you're sparring, for sure, so I try mm. not to do that too often. But um, yeah. I, I, I take very good care of my my stuff because... I play for a living, so I can't afford. Yeah, I'm yeah, careful. I was know, gonna say
2: you're one punch totally. away from a barista job. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> I've got I've got zero college degree to fall back on, so that's literally oh, the reality. <laughs> Why did he
1: pick barista job? Though? <laughs> <laughs> I like baristas; they make they make great coffee. <laughs>
0: what a yeah, Mark, you went to school for marketing, right?
1: Yeah, I was an advertising major. Yeah. This is
0: okay. This is wild to me, okay, because. You have a a sports background through your youth into college and then you went to school for ad, for marketing and advertising um where did you find the time to be such a ridiculously accomplished guitar player?
1: <laughs> oh thanks um yeah, that's an interesting question, and I've gotten it a couple to- a fair amount um it's I guess it's just a matter of time management maybe yeah but um i'm I'm sure. As with anything, certain things, quote unquote, may have, I don't want to say suffered. That's not really the word, but, um, you know, your, your passions will make room for themselves, even if you can't quantify how they do, you know. Um, I guess I, I've, I've, always, I get, I've always been able to handle a heavy workload. Um, I, that's just been how, how I've always been able to uh, operate you know um i don't know if that's by how i was raised or genetics or what <laughs> i don't know how you quantify that but i guess i'm just always used to having a lot on my plate maybe um but you know in college could i have studied a little harder for certain things instead of playing the guitar yeah probably yeah <laughs> uh, you know uh but but like i said i mean it, it, it just sort of makes room for itself. And, and I think with music, as long as you're nurturing it a little bit every day, maybe some days more than others, you know, I think the, the it all just depends on your personality and how much practice you can handle and how much makes sense to you. You know, I don't think I could concentrate for 10 hours a day right. playing the guitar. Like, you know, you hear about these, well, I, you know, I, in college I just I practiced for nine hours every day and all that. Like I couldn't do that there's no, even if I had time to do that, I don't think my brain would allow me to do that, yeah, and so so anytime I f- felt inspired to play, I played, and then it was when it was time to get a an essay done or, or go to track practice or whatever it was. I just did that, and you just kind of you know work work out the schedule day by day, week by week, kind of what makes sense, and you know bite off as much as you can chew, but not so much that things are suffering severely. <laughs> right. You know, I remember uh there was like, you know, and I towed the line a couple times in college. I remember like we went I had a band uh oh gosh, what happened? Yeah, I we had this band. This was in the fall, so I didn't have a meet, but we went down to a friend's studio for the weekend to like make a demo or something and of course stuff ran long and so we spent the night sunday night left monday morning i think i just didn't go to class and then like was kind of late for track practice which that i was more worried about than missing class yeah of course (laughs) (laughs) and so i wouldn't recommend doing that but that was sometimes things that i would do you know and like i said your passion makes room will make room (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maybe not always at the best times, <laughs> right? But, um, you know, and heck, I probably could have practiced more guitar, you know. Uh, but I am what I am now. I'm I'm where I am because of what I did. So who knows? Maybe I did something right. Maybe I did something wrong along the way. I don't know. I don't know if that's the right answer for any of this question. But no, it, it, that's it, what it, I got for you.
0: No, 100% is man because I I, I think it's it's fascinating because I, I think that uh you know. I know, I, I know that the uh, the uh, congratulatory stuff or whatever the it can be uncomfortable for people, but I'm gonna go ahead and kind of just say it this way. I think that you and and a lot of guys, kind of in your camp, have established um, a certain level for a lot of guitar players in the next generation coming up, um, and you certainly pushed the envelope that that you know that was existing before you guys. So to to understand what uh especially you having other passions or things that you were interested in that you pursued it's it's interesting for me and other people of, of my generation and and later that uh to to understand like how you were able to kind of focus and make th- and and be so influential you know so i think uh um, mm. it's it's well, just thanks, a- man. Yeah. It's very, it's, it's, it's wild to me. Um, and I'm, do you, do you, do you pull from the marketing background that you have in your current endeavors?
1: I think so. You know, uh, I, I try to be aware of, um, how I'm not portraying myself. That's not the right word, but, uh, but I am aware of, of how I'm, uh, Promoting myself and, and, and the music that I make and the bands that I work with and and sort of the message that I'm trying to convey with with my brand so to speak. There's right. the B word, you right. know? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Whatever the Mark Latieri brand is, I mean, it's it's the music that I make. It might be a little bit of humor or something like that. It's a, it's a combination of those things. Um, and I and I think about that a lot. You know, I I uh, very particular when it comes to reading press releases that have been written about me. Mm -hmm. Um, or bios or something like that, or, or checking out layouts for graphics. Um, just little things that I, that I picked up from studying that stuff in school. Um, and, and, you know, and a lot of it is just like interpersonal stuff, you know, learning how to manage people and work with a team and, uh, be a team leader and be a team member. And that's all stuff we, we talked about in school too. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I had an internship in a PR firm where I, you know, had to work with people that were very experienced and telling me what to do and and all that. And and it's even though I don't work in that realm at all, I mean, it was still a professional experience where I was being held accountable for certain things, and and I transfer that into into running my business as a guitar player because you know they call it the music business for a reason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> so. It's also interesting
0: to me because I've str- I've struggled with like trying to understand how to manage people, manage myself, uh, you know, manage like, you know, especially when it comes to releasing content on social media, like what mm. to capture, how you release it, and you know, what you want to try and communicate cuz everything you want to you want to be communicating something, you don't want it to just be random stuff, you know, out there, right? Yeah. So it's right. like just going, th- finding the time to go through everything, and you know, editing things and putting it, all- and then you got to still make time to write and practice, and you know, be in a band, yeah. right? So it's like so much. Yeah. I feel well, like.
1: well, what I've, do- it's it is a lot, and uh, you bring up a good point, and and I'll say this. I mean we do live in sort of a content driven business and you just have to be mind you know mindful and and aware of like how to generate that content without doing the most work (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean like uh if you you played a gig somebody filmed it find that person get the video you know uh or, or repost whatever they tag or like maybe you're working on something at the house practicing Film it for fifteen seconds, whatever. Right. Maybe something funny happened. Talk about it for fifteen You know, there's like there's ways to do it where it doesn't always have to be a big production. Right. And I think I've kind of gotten into that because when I first started getting involved in social media content, like not that anything I ever did was a big production, because I'm definitely not on that level. But uh, it did, did. I definitely spent more time on it maybe than I do now. So all this to say, it's kind of a balance. Like every now and then, you gotta drop the big bombs. With the, ni- with the lights and the cameras and the action and everything. Right. <laughs> and then right. in between all that, uh, you know, you, you leave the, the little skittles along the way. Which is why I was so grateful that we were able to film this Iridium gig because now I have f- 13 YouTube videos in the can. Yeah, exactly. Only, uh, you know what I mean? And then and you clip up all that stuff. Yeah, every song has like a bunch this of This one's just. F- 50 seconds of a bass groove, exactly. this is the guitar solo from that, this is the drum groove from that, you know, um, and until people get tired of seeing it, <laughs> you know, but then you spread it out so they don't get tired of it. That's, or you do, you know, you post a video from the Iridium and then you post a video of yourself playing with a giant guitar pick. I've, and like, of fuck, course, the video with the giant guitar pick <laughs> has 80 bajillion views and the video yeah. from the Iridium has like five. Always. you know, right, that's how it goes. <laughs> so that's what am I doing with my life? You know? <laughs> I love that pick video. It's like... <laughs> Wow, this sucks. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <It's> yeah, like, <laughs> well, I sent it to. I love those; they're friends of mine. And I, said, I was like, I don't want to offend them, but if I know these guys, they take the piss better than anybody. So I'm gonna. I was like, I sent them the video first. They're like, "This is brilliant." Posted. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's
0: so good, bro. It's fun. I, um, uh, Chris, and I both um, are very into. Um, you know, I really like what the comedians are doing right now. They've seemed to kind of figured out social media and the internet Mm -hmm. in a way so kind of building on what you're talking about like having content in the can you know when you have 13 new videos from from a from a a show that you did now you also have like a bunch of stuff that you can clip down comedians have have been doing this now for a long time where they take their specials they clip them down they put all the text there and it's like just following that kind of a model it
1: seems to be pretty effective you know I think so, and I and I follow a lot of comedians on social media, and and it, I wondered though because, and I guess you know if you t- if you clip a joke from a routine and put it on Instagram, well, what happens if you hear the joke again? Yeah, you know, like is it still fun? I mean, I guess it's still funny. Like if I go see your show and you tell the same joke, I'll probably still laugh, but I'm probably not going to laugh as hard as I did the first time I heard it on Instagram. So totally. If I clip out a guitar solo. You come see the gig. It's going to be a different guitar solo.
0: Yeah, that's definitely the advantage that we so, have. I think. For I sure. don't know. They
1: The comedians got. It's a hard job, man. Oh my gosh. I <laughs> wish I could do that. I would love to do stand up, but man, phew,
0: that's so hard. Dude, I, I talk. I, we talk about it all the time. I can't. Like, there's a weird admiration that goes both ways because it's like, I've I've spoken to comedians that love the idea of playing music and like also just the the performance and the rock star kind of imagery that comes with it but then from from my end uh, and it sounds like from your end too where you look at that and you're what what they do and you're like dude you have to pump out new shit like all the time like we can write a record mm-hmm. and tour on that for a year and that or you know mm-hmm. maybe longer in some cases and then we can like write a new record and still pull from old records right, right. so it's like yeah and then throw in cover tunes as well we can do covers in our sets and like and really build a whole thing. You have to write new shit at least every year. You have to be ready for another hour to go and it's just what an insane and if you're having a bad night, there's nothing we can hide behind our instruments, right? We got a band that we're playing with that we can like (laughs) lean on if they're having a bad night. It's just them and a microphone,
1: dude. (laughs) Well, I always thought it was, you know, it's like music is a hard life, but it's not as hard as acting or comedy. I mean, because like I can I could go play the guitar At a restaurant, by myself, and play, and make some money, and go home. You can't just go tell jokes in the corner of a restaurant (laughs) while people are eating. (laughs) Right, right. Like, and and as background jokes, like (laughs) background acting. You know what I mean? Like, I can't show up to Ruth's Chris and and recite Hamlet in the corner, (laughs) (laughs) but I can go play solo guitar. (laughs) Right you know we god
0: that's got to be hard yeah we definitely have i mean like both sides i think i i can't fathom that 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 life man that's i have such respect for it and i wish i was i also just wish i could be that funny and that witty i'm just like I'm just not. so. Yeah,
1: well, man, bombing in front... I mean, I've bombed many of music performance in front of people, and that makes me feel terrible, so I can't imagine bombing a joke. Dude, Although I've told some pretty crappy ones over the mic before, (laughs) and it's usually in a foreign country where I had no business trying to make a... (laughs) You know, it's like, okay, 20% of the people speak English and f- of those 15% understand the humor that I'm trying to pre- so like, right. oh, Okay, on to the next, you know, like, yeah. you <laughs> tell me, why would you do that? It's a real risk so, taker over here. <laughs> real re- I know what am I doing? Just put my career in the trash.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, speaking on this, like kind of comedy side of things, um, or not just, you know, integrating the two worlds. Um, I'm really interested in how the ground up and the Wolf camp have come, To link up because this this is an amazing. I mean, talk about two um, entities that I've been looking at for years, even before Feelers Flyers or Mm anything. Sorry, I just I've looked at you guys separately as like mechas for how you should run your enterprise, and then all of a sudden, the last few years, you guys are merging and doing this stuff. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Well, I think it was bound to happen, you know, in some regard. I mean, there's there's been a lot of crossover with artists who. Uh, weren't really a part of either. Um, who then worked with both? Okay, you know, like uh, like Lewis Cole, for example, or mm. um, oh gosh, who else? Um, I know there's a million, but uh, several, Jacob Collier, I think, has done some stuff. Maybe not, but uh, anyway, there, but there are loads of people that have kind of Snarky's worked with them, Wolf Wolfpack's worked with them, etc. I think I'm the only guy. That's actually in Snarky and then in a Wolf project. Okay, <laughs> I think maybe I think I might be the missing link between the you know I am the exact glue perhaps. I if mean, I'm th- wrong. Please correct me, but I'm trying. I don't <laughs> trying to think
0: I can't think of anybody else. Um, but it, it makes sense though, <laughs> just by the way that you play. But also, it it it's so crazy to think about also because. I mean, ground up, like this this ex- expl- explorative journey of jazz fusion amalgamation. Mm-hmm. And then you have Wolfpeck, which is like this kind of reimagined Motown funky soul kind of thing, but with this mm-hmm. wildly DIY twist to it that uh, uh, mm-hmm. Jack Stratton seems to have just really brilliantly and masterfully pulled off.
1: Yeah, he's a wild guy. He's got a real interesting perspective on the music business and and how to promote and how to kind of build their very unique uh branding system there with the b word again but, but yeah. that's kind of what it is you know um that's yeah it's pretty remarkable to see because it's because it's pretty different than than how snarky's done it totally you know, yeah. both ways will work uh it's just they've they've um they have a you know a very specific way of Doing it, I don't think I'll ever see Mike League wear shorts that short. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> soccer shorts, you know. Right, but there's still time. Yes, <laughs> he's been, he's been working out. <laughs> okay, well, we'll get a good leg shot in the, in the upcoming there shows. You go. <laughs> yeah,
0: um, yeah, man. It's cr- so. Do how often does Feeler, Feeler's Flyers play uh, play out? Are you guys writing together? Or is it someone bringing? songs at the table and just reinterpreting it's them? It's kind of both.
1: Yeah, we don't play out very much. I mean, if if you look at our schedule, we've maybe played like 10 shows or something. Right. Uh, and it's usually all festivals. This this time, this year, we're doing four nights at the uh, sorry, the Blue Note in New York City, which will be kind of our first really set of club gigs. Excuse me. Um, And then – so as far as the writing – Everybody kind of brings in riffs or, or some stuff's kind of all the way composed. Um, and we will try that out or or we'll come up with stuff in the studio or Jack will come in with a, an idea. It's pretty collaborative, though, for the most part. Um, you can If you listen to the tunes, you can kind of tell which riffs may have come from me and which riffs may have come from Corey, for example. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know, we're, we're pretty different, but we, we have a way of gelling together on some stuff. Yeah. So. the bridge sounds like mark but the verse sounds like Corey, you know right um so that that would you know in that regard respect we're always collaborating because it's it's a really fun group to to bounce ideas off and and everyone's ideas are good so right you know um it's amazing that the songs are so short Because there, we could have had a lot more ideas in some of those things. But Do you feel like that's – is that like an intentional thing, like an
0: exercise almost in, in trying to be reserved? I think reserved? it was,
1: yeah. And, and, I, and I, you know, I've told this story before, but going into the very first record, I had no idea what we were doing. I didn't know how, how the music was going to sound. I didn't know the direction for the music or the aesthetic or the flight suits or the guitars on the stands. Uh, <laughs> Nate and I were pretty much completely in the dark until we got there. Really? Um, yeah, and uh, and and so that's that's when I kind of understand. I was like, okay, so there's a there's a look first of all, uh, and then there's a sound, and so then I was like, okay, I, can, I I know how to operate in this, and then it made sense, and then it was comfortable. Um, but but I did it. I had some reservations going in just because you know <laughs> I was like,
0: what are, where are these people? Right. So. That's what. Yeah, that's why it's surprising that you, that you would have not known. Because I, I can totally sympathize with that when somebody asks you to be a part of a thing and then there's virtually right. little communication about what's what the thing actually is. So you walk in and you're like, there's already kind of this thing where you're like, well, this is, this can't be right. good if there was no communication happening leading up to this. Right. I have no idea. Well,
1: I mean, I remember, yeah, and, you know, Corey was the only guy. Like, I, I knew Joe a little bit because we had played together in kind of like a super jam jam band kind of one off gig together. Uh so I knew him, but Corey was the guy that I was talking to via email and he basically just had to be like, dude, just trust me, it's gonna be fine. Yeah. You know? Um and even when I got there, I like as we were get doing the first tune, which was Ace of Aces, um, I started realizing I was like, okay, I know exactly what's going on right now. Like I know how we're gonna do these songs. And then even after the first day I remember going to Nate and I'd be like, dude, that was like the the quickest session I've ever done—we're like <laughs> out of here in like two hours. <laughs> we just wrote four songs, recorded them, and we're out of here. You know, and uh, and, and so once I once I understood the the, the vision for the project, it, it made a lot of sense. And and I even still, you know, coming up with ideas for it is, is kind of hard for me because you know my music, for example, is a lot longer than a minute and a half. Right? <laughs> you know, I like having arrangements and things like that, so I have to kind of really put the reins on sometimes but yeah, it's good bringing it, ideas in
0: yeah man well it's it's it seems like it'd be a great it seems like a good exercise on everyone's part because then you got like nate smith who i mean just does i mean he can do anything you know sure uh and, and joe darts kind of like you know i mean he him and Corey wong probably have more at least what they portray more of like a a, a groove based kind of playing but then i've also seen them both do some pretty out there stuff as well sure so, so for the for all you guys that are capable of all of of, of such you know of, of explorative stuff for you to get together and write this simple just groove based funk is is pretty cool to see you know
1: right on thanks yeah it's definitely super fun yeah you know, it looks that's a really way. fun band we we actually are playing this weekend uh in st louis so i'm stoked to uh, oh wh- where are you guys playing the at baritone again uh, the music at the intersection festival. Okay. I think it's insane. Yeah. It's like two days. Funny. Ironically enough, snarky is playing Saturday and the fearless flyers are playing Sunday, but I, I'm not on the snarky puppy. Game. Oh, you're not. <laughs> so I think I land in time to go see them, but I don't think I would get there in time to like sound check and, and play. So right. I'll be a fan. I'll just be side stage throwing sandwiches at them or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Oh, that's awesome, man. Um,
0: uh the the uh, uh how did you get how did you discover the uh, the baritone stuff cuz that's another interesting thing that mm. you do for those who don't Uh know.
1: man it started as just another piece of gear that I wanted to have f- as a session cur- cur- part of my session sound you know just seemed like something I, I I could use and um we had started using them a little bit in Snarky Puppy Michael I think had bought one and started writing some songs on it so Snarky had recorded Maybe one or s- two songs uh with a baritone before, so I was aware of the instrument I had used them in studios before, um but it was really just kind of like a haphazard afternoon where I started p- just instinctively playing uh funk on it <laughs> and at at like funk grooves and and um I was like, well, this actually wait a minute, hold on, what did I just do <laughs> and uh, and then it sort of started this whole kind of direction of baritone funk as I like to call it and I, I wrote a tune for Snarky Puppy this bonus track called Hefe that was kind of based around the baritone and kind of this funk swampy thing and, oh, and, yeah. and then I started posting more kind of these little baritone jams on Facebook uh, and that was back when Facebook didn't really have all those algorithm rules and so you, so stuff could go viral very quickly right and I, I had one video that was just me just jamming in the key of D over kind of like a four on the floor Minneapolis drum groove. And it went viral and people were like, what is this guitar? What is this sound? I've never heard this before. Or they were going like, that's a baritone, but why is he playing it like this? Mm. <laughs> you know, they were used to hearing it in country music or something. Right. And that made me think, oh, okay, I think I'm onto something here. And so I started making more videos and making more demos and, and just kind of turning it into a thing and then uh, started producing the records for it. And, um, and here we are.
0: It's, it seems like such a natural arena for it to live in. Um, I don't know if that's... It, um, it, I'm sure... Yeah. That, you know, it's like I listened to it and there's... No- I'm
1: sure it's been done before. Like, I'm not... Yeah, I'm not taking credit for it. I mean, I remember hearing there's a song... I think I didn't even know it was a baritone guitar at the time, but there's a song by Joe Satriani called, shoot, Luminous Flesh Giants or something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But he had a rhythm guitar player on that record, this guy Andy Fairweather Low. And he's playing kind of this sort of funky, low-tuned thing. And I found out later that it was a baritone guitar. And so maybe that had kind of always been in the back of my mind or something. Um, if I really am digging deep as to where this stuff came from, but really it was like, I love Prince, I love Parliament, I love Zap and Roger. What happens if I play those grooves, but with this instrument? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and so hence baritone funk. Yeah,
0: It's wild, man. It just, yeah, listening to it just sounds so intuitive for the instrument. So you really kind of
1: <laughs> struck gold with that one, it seems yeah. like. Um, <laughs> Struck something, maybe yeah. not gold, maybe like frankincense or myrrh, or yeah. copper, <laughs> but nickel plating. Um, um, it went aluminum, and ma- the albums went <laughs> aluminum went al- in many countries. <laughs> <laughs> aluminum, yeah. aluminum records on my wall. Um,
0: how uh, how how closely are you paying paying attention to gear? And stuff like that, um, because this is I've I've had this conversation with some guitar players, um, like in different areas, and it seems to be something that maybe changes depending on what level you're working at in the industry. There's right now seems to be um, like people that I talk to in LA or in New York that seem to be very much on the uh, the helix or the fractal stuff for their pedals and mm-hmm. uh, you know solid state everything. But then you come maybe more to blue collar working towns like here in Jacksonville or smaller scenes where people are still kind of using more traditional pedal setups. Um, how, kinda, how much are you paying mm-hmm. attention to that kind of stuff? And do you have a preference uh, for what you like to use?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely aware of all of it. Um, yeah. I have a camper. That's my choice in terms of modeling devices. Okay. I guess there's like Team Fractal and Team Kemp, whatever. Yeah, uh, for sure there is. Uh, yeah. I just, I'm used to the Kemper at this point and And so that is a big part of my home studio and a big part of just my studio work in general, um, just for ease of use, basically. Um, uh, it's sort of simple and, you know, I, well, once you kind of learn how to use it um yeah (laughs) so it it helps keep my workflow yeah you know it keeps the workflow smooth and and um i'll use plugins sometimes i use the neural dsp plugin sometimes at my home studio um and then occasionally i'll put a pedal board into a kemper you know for i think that's how i did the last excuse me the last snarky puppy record all three guitar players were on kempers really with our pedal boards that Yeah. yeah um and then, you know, but live gigs, if if I can have an amp on stage, I love having an amp on stage. I like having more than one amp <laughs> on stage if I can do that, too. So I'm I'm still traditional in that regard. And I love recording real amps uh, all the time also. Um, a lot of it depends on the project, depends on the sound I'm going for. Um, for example, the baritone funk records, the baritone sessions are a, com- are a combination of plugins and kempers. But then like you know obviously live at the iridium is too loud ass tube amps you know um, it's 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 interesting. so i use it i use them all it just depends on the the application yeah
0: right yeah no it's it's uh it's interesting because like on there's a tone that you get on the baritone sessions that i love but then when you're live at the iridium it's like it goes back to this thing that we talk about a lot where there's a there's obviously there's a difference, but like there's also a way that just you play, I think, and the people in general play that communicates the sound that you want. Um, so like this idea to me, I kind of started getting away from gear for a while because it started to be more apparent to me that I think most of what you get is gonna be in your fingers just naturally, like whatever you can get out of the instrument, course there's gonna mm-hmm. be differences like you know what single coils versus humbuckers or you know p90s whatever and then all the differences in solid state versus two but at the end of the day like, if you listen to the iridium stuff and the way that you play the tone that you're getting there's like a richness to it that still just kind of shines through whatever gear you're using i feel like is there something there that you can kind of agree with yeah. or, or do you think that it, that the gear has really mostly to do with it
1: well thanks i'm glad i'm glad you think my fingers sound good i'm working on it uh but you know um it just depends on it just depends on the application i think i sound like me no matter what i'm playing through right and i mean and i don't mean that you're probably looking at all these guitars behind me but what does he have all those these are all tools to express different sides of what i want to say musically right and what i need to get done uh, from a job perspective um but when I say I sound like me, like when I play a solo through a Kemper, it still sounds like Mark Lethierry. Right. Right? It, you know, it it versus if I play a solo through a Fender Twin or something like that, it's still going to sound like Mark Lethierry at the end of the day. The transients uh, and the ones and zeros are what's going to be different. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the overall feel and personality is going to be there no matter what you use. Right. Um, I played... Uh, through Steve Lukather's rig at a Toto soundcheck, and I was like, "Oh man, I don't sound like Steve Lukather. Gee, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I, I sound that. like me. <laughs> Bummer, you know? No. Dang." Uh, and you know, any any of my friends' rigs that are these, you know, great guitar player, I'm like, "Well, I still sound like myself," and that's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, so I, I can get I, I hear my personality no matter what I'm using, and that's just the way music is with human beings playing it um so for me all the different gear is just tools for different applications I think. yeah i think that's you i know. think that's the i don't best. think the mark letary group will ever play like di rigs <laughs> 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 you know?
0: yeah it's just it's interesting so. to hear because um you know i i think that i i, I truly believe that i think that there's I think that the quality that that you express uh, just and this is just in, as a general thing that people that when they play their instruments they get too hung up on the gear sometimes and i think that that although that's important because you want to have quality gear and you want to you're looking for a sound but i think so much of it comes from you know just artistically like wh- who you are you know like whatever at the end of the day like whether you're playing, you know, through a fractal or, you know, a PV bandit, you know, it's like you can like if, if you really know what right, you're doing, yeah. I think you can kind of get the quality that you're looking for, you know. Um,
1: so I don't know. That's- I think so. I mean, there, you'll always come up. Uh, yeah, no, no. you make a good point. And I think you'll always come up against certain limitations that are just inherent in certain pieces of gear. And that's just kind of the way it is. like if you were to hand me your guitar, for example. You know the action might be way too high for me. Yeah, and that's just I would just have to kind of deal with it. Right? Are you a low action Um, guy? My view on gear is that I'm a very low action guy. Yeah, Yeah, I feel that. Um, My view, uh, sort of overarching about gear, is that it should get out of the way. Yeah, if it's a good piece of gear, a great piece of gear, you shouldn't even be thinking about it you should be thinking about playing music. So like all the pieces of gear that I use for certain for what applications, the guitar I designed with PRS, like I don't want to think about that. Like I, I we designed it so that I wouldn't have to be thinking like man is the string going to fret out? Do I play this like I don't want to think about it. I just want to play. Yeah. And so so if you're making gear choices you should, you should get stuff that inspires you to make music because you're not thinking about the gear. Totally. You know? I yeah, that t- makes total sense, man, for sure. Um,
0: I want to uh, look at my phone real quick. I think I, I put like a post out to see if anybody had any questions. I, my phone's been blowing up. So I just want to see if I got oh, yeah, some sure. fan questions cool. real quick. OK, so our friend uh, Elon, who was actually just on our podcast earlier this week. This is a, uh, so shout out to Elon. Make sure you guys check out Koi Boy when you get a chance. They're releasing a bunch of music there. Elon is such a phenomenal guitar player, man. Um, and so he, the way, so he was asking any advice on getting out of a scene you're stuck in and breaking into new music scenes. Um, and yeah, so this is something that we talk about a lot. So I'm curious actually your perspective on this.
1: Does he uh, maybe if, like, a little bit of clarification? Do you think he means like geographically or stylistically?
0: Um, that's actually a good. He says. Uh, he says I feel like Mark jumps genres so much, so probably genre-wise. But oh, also, okay. Um, we when he was on here, we were talking about just different cities and breaking into scenes, so mm-hmm. probably that
1: too. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll answer. I'll try to answer both. My view on geographics, I think, has changed uh, quite a bit over the years because, because of the way music industry has changed and the rise of social media and the way people are networking now and, and developing content and and essentially building their thing from anywhere in the world. you know, um, There are artists nowadays that are getting huge followings just from building content from their homes in Des Moines, Iowa or where, right. you know, wherever it may be. I mean, if so, if you have something that's connecting with people, and you're consistent with delivering it, you can you can do you can do it the thing, the music thing, from anywhere. You know, um, I live in Fort Worth, Texas, which has a great music scene, but it's you wouldn't think of it as next to an LA, right, or a Nashville or something. But right. between Fort Worth and Dallas, I found there was plenty of great. Places to play. My favorite musicians in the world live here, which is really the reason why I stayed from a music perspective. Um, And then I just um, made sure that I was, you know, uh, still shouting my name from the rooftops, (laughs) so to speak, and participating in the social media rat race or whatever it is, Um, but also touring my music, you know, playing in bands that were touring, like getting out beyond my zip code. Uh, even though this is where I like to live and make my records. Um, So you can do it from anywhere nowadays. You don't necessarily have to move to LA. You don't have to move to Nashville. You don't have to move to New York or or whatever other city you might think you need to move to. Um, There's nothing wrong with doing that. Maybe you do, but I would say if you do choose to do that, make sure you have some kind of a network in place before you go because it's just going to make things easier. It's going to be hard (laughs) because it all of a sudden... You know, where, where there were 10 guitar players, there's 10,000. You know, yeah. there might be 10,000 more gigs, but maybe not, you know. Totally. Um, so just keep that in mind. But I mean, you know, to sort of shift uh, stylistically, I've always been interested in a lot of things. I mean, I have my sound as a guitarist and as a writer. Um, there are certain things that are core to me, uh, but but I knew early on that if I was going to have any chance at having some kind of career um, versatility was going to be an asset. And so I took a lot of gigs with lots of different kinds of projects for all different kinds of no money (laughs) (laughs) just to kind of get experience, you know, and, and really just was a, tried to be a student of styles. You know, I, I don't think I mastered everything. Nobody really does that, but but I found that early on, if I could be convincing and applicable in many things, I could keep working. And 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 being here in DFW, it's very diverse. Like I would do a, a hip hop session in the afternoon and a country gig at night, you know, and then uh, like an R and B thing or a gospel thing the next day, and then I would go play a gig with my progressive rock band, you know. So there, so if if you are interested in stuff, uh, it'll come, you know and you might not be interested in everything. Like I'm not interested in becoming a great straight ahead bebop jazz guitar player. So I never really worked on that. Yeah. yeah. A little bit. You know, I worked on it enough to where if I I worked on it enough to where if those tunes got called, I wouldn't totally shit the bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but most of the time I would. And it was really kind of a proxy thing because I was playing uh with some I was playing with a horn player here. Um, Keith Anderson, who's a fantastic tenor player. He played with Marcus Miller and Roy Hargrove and Prince. I mean, he's a beast of a dude. But his music was primarily like groove jazz. Like not really smooth jazz, but kind of like funk fusion kind of stuff. And so I learned his catalog, but then occasionally he would call some straight ahead tunes. So I got good enough at those to where I could play them through his set and make music and sound good. But the focus was really his stuff. You know, so... If he, had, if he was playing 90% bebop and standards and then like 10% fusion, I probably wouldn't take the gig. Right. You know, because I'm, I'm just not that guy. Right. Uh, and so so you'll learn your kind of limits based on actually what is inspiring to you. Like if you're not inspired to be able to play a lot of different things, then don't worry about it. Just play what you like,
0: you know. That's a great distinction to make. But anyway. um, <laughs> no, that's a great distinction to make and I feel like it's, it's super relevant. Um, I th- do you think that there's an aspect of it that's also like just showing up to where the, those communities like hang out? Um, and then, you know, if given the opportunity. Oh, no, absolutely. Like if giving the opportunity, then like going and the playing, right? Like even if you're not fully comfortable, just putting yourself in the situation and going for it. Is there like an element of that as well, do mm-hmm. you think?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I didn't even talk about that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, what happens if social media shuts down tomorrow, man, you still got to go to the jam session, right? You know, you, you, that that's how I started because I came up before, you know, I'm not that old, but I came up <laughs> kind of before that was a thing back before that was a networking device, right? Um, So I went to the blues jams, I went to the R&B jams, I sat in, I signed the list, so to speak, and and I made connections that way. And so, thankfully, I like playing blues, for example, I like playing R&B, so it was natural. I didn't go to the straight-ahead jazz jam (laughs) session. Right. (laughs) I mean, I did, but I would watch, and if somebody asked me to sit in, I'd be like, nope, you know, or or, what are you playing? I would probably ask (laughs) ask that first make sure I was something i can hang on but yeah uh, but yeah you'll never be able to replace in person yeah you'll never be able to replace in-person connect connections and networking so that's that's step one before you even post an instagram video (laughs) yeah totally man totally um that's
0: that's for me like how i was able to get like plugged in because i'm from south florida So I was going to the jams in Miami and Fort Lauderdale and West Palm and I was starting to get established there. And then I moved to Jacksonville and it was like just hitting the jam sessions showing up like every week until now I don't really do the jams anymore because you know, you get busy at a certain point. I think you don't need to do that for networking purposes anymore, but like, you know, still just making your face seen and then of course just saying yes and getting up there and taking the risk and playing, you know, getting out of your comfort zone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a combination of, nowadays it's sort of a, a, yeah, a combination of that being present, being seen, and then having some kind of social media output. Yeah. You, know, you don't have to be a quote unquote Instagram guitar player or whatever. You don't even know what that means. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> um, <clears throat> but yeah, if you if you are really, if you're really interested in like getting in on the ground floor and working, face-to-face stuff is the way to go. Totally. You know, before anything else.
0: Totally. Um, Mark, I really appreciate you taking the time and I don't know if you'd be interested. We do a, a segment called unpopular opinions. I forgot to tell you about that ahead of time where we just go around and we just <laughs> oh, no. each say something we do. We try and keep it pretty well. Uh, we try and keep it pretty non controversial. Um, uh, does it can be music All related? Right, good. It can be whatever. It doesn't have to be music related. It can be about whatever. It's like a
1: pineapple want. on pizza. Yes or no kind of thing. dude. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. People have said that before.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I'm vehemently against pineapple on pizza, but you know,
1: um, you know what I'm vehemently against what's that? Well, I, well I'll let you ask first, but go ahead. No, I we'll was gonna say ranch on hot wings. You hating? get out of here. You don't, don't like want, that. We're not friends. If you <laughs> put the ranch, no. You're a blue, blue cheese, cheese guy. or die. Yeah, of get course. Out. He's a
2: blue cheese guy. Ranch. Oh my god. You dude. probably put
1: ranch on your. Yes. <laughs> you probably <laughs> <you, laughs> those people put ranch on pizza too. I love ranch on Can't pizza. Do fuck it. yeah, dude. Anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah. All
1: right. Well. Good thing we're two thousand miles away from each other. <laughs>
0: Okay, I guess we'll never get to play together. All right, now. what
1: is the actual thing you wanted to ask me about? <laughs>
0: yeah, um,
1: <right. laughs> just different sides of the bar. Yeah.
0: Um, all right. So basically what we're gonna do is we each go around and we just state an unpopular opinion and we discuss it for a minute, you know. So um we'll let right. uh we'll let Chris go first, typically how we start off.
2: <clears throat> cool. Um All right, I've been having this argument with uh guys recently. Um at a certain level, your musical heroes are your peers. Um, I've had so many conversations with guys and they're just like so intimidated or like if they're, if they're like, Oh, if I ever got to play with him, I I just, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do this. And I'm like, dude, he's, we're doing the same thing. He just sold a couple extra records. Like go talk to the guy at least, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) calm down. It's, it's not as, it's not as big a deal as you make it. And i I've, I feel like I'm in the minority in this. I might not be like most people might have a sensible head on their shoulders, but like I, I was, I was talking to a buddy about Derek trucks. I was like, yeah, dude, I would love to jam on this. And then and he goes, Oh no shot. I, I, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. I'd freeze. I'm like, that's lame. <laughs> 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 I don't know. That's my take. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, I mean, you know, I, I guess it's one of those things where, and I think this is, I've actually talked about this with some students before who who have very strong influences and and um, are wondering what to do with those influences, you know. And I always ask, I say, look, okay, if for Derek Trucks, for example. Derek Trucks calls you, and I think this is the reason why your friend probably acted this way. If Derek Trucks calls you on stage to jam, can you have a musical conversation with Derek Trucks without sounding like a lesser version of Derek Trucks? Right. right. Totally. right. And so, so, you know, I don't never heard your friend, but he might be such a fan that he, he, you know, if he goes up there and plays open E slide and it's kind of like Derek, but not, <laughs> <laughs> but not as cool, Yeah, which yeah. of course who is right. <laughs> but if he's not able to have his own musical conversation, his own musical voice in open E with a slide, whatever, uh, that could, I could see that as being pretty daunting. And I've had, to, you know, I've had to t- tell myself that too. It's like, you know, cause I have very strong influences with certain players and, and you don't want to get into a situation where they're just like, Hey man, why are you do your thing?
2: Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. are you doing?
1: <laughs> well, I, <laughs> you know, I totally you know? agree. And to,
0: to both of your points because I think that there's something to both what you guys are saying. Um, Mark, I, I totally think like, yeah, like can you have your own conversation for sure? But, or can you have like your own perspective in the conversation certainly? And also just like like thinking right. like, can you even like step into the arena with this guy? Do you think that what you have to say could even like even has a seat at the table? That's the insecurity that I could see myself having in that situation. But then also to your point, Chris, I think it yeah. is important to make the dis- to. to to not make such a uh, a big distinction between um what you're doing versus what what your idols are doing. Uh it is important to look at them as peers only because I believe that if you're going to get to that level, you have to actually see yourself in that level. You can't you can't say, well this person exists up here. So I'm and I'm never gonna get there, right? So if you want to actually succeed, you have to kind of mm it's 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 that dress for the job you want not not the job you have kind of mentality right
2: there yeah. you go yeah, yeah. And, and i think yeah. as, you know the qualifier i, put I would there, go ahead
1: and do it i want plug me in man let's go yeah. yeah it's like
2: it's like i don't have to sound the greatest i've ever sounded and maybe the qualifier is like you know i said at a certain point so like you know maybe if you've like found your voice on the instrument or something that's your you know at that point you're a peer because you're obviously listening to someone who's found their voice so like to your point, if you're just talking then Mm -hmm. like, yeah, what are you scared of the conversation for, you know? Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's just an insecurity. Some people have, I think, you know, but I totally, I, yeah, I think that it's also like, I I, I think that people that have achieved a certain level of success, whatever that looks like for people, I think it's also worthy to acknowledge that you haven't done that yet either, you know, because like, that's a whole, that's a, that's a workload. That's an entire experience that that you know they've been able to achieve that you haven't achieved yet so i think it's important to kind of acknowledge that too you know totally you know.
2: yeah
0: um mark right mark you got any unpopular opinions
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh no (laughs) no all of my opinions are very popular (laughs) yeah here's the uh this
0: is a pr mark coming out (laughs) um there it is all right um i'll do one um let's see uh okay so at the the level that I still exist in the music world is that I still, both of us here still have to play bar gigs to survive and, you know, make a living. So, um, my, one of my biggest pet peeves, I don't even know if it's an unpopular opinion. I think most musicians probably share this, but if you have a sound system at your venue, please have someone who's able to run the system working there. Right? (laughs) like,
1: (laughs) Um, <laughs> I don't think that's an unpopular opinion. That's a fact.
2: <laughs> I mean, the venues are the ones that need to hear this more than anyone. Right? Yeah, because we all agree, but like
0: they think it's commonplace. Mm. That's that's the whole thing where it's like you spent you know however many thousands of dollars. You have nice speakers. You have like you know the preamps and like the mixer. It's like it all looks beautiful and like I, I tell and you know, it's, it's enough time has passed now. The venue won't even know that this is what I'm talking about. But like I was on a gig and I asked the guy who I'm pretty sure was just like a manager at the venue. Um, I was like, Hey man, we're getting a, a sub frequency up here. Can we, we need to take that frequency out. And he puts his iPad, which has the mixer on it. He puts it down and starts to just kind of scope the speaker out. And I'm like, nah, dude, you have to do that. From oh boy, your, like you have a mixer in your hand. That's how you take the frequency out. And he was, and oh, I see him like just kind of sitting there, like not knowing what to do with himself. And I was, like, you know what? Don't worry, man. We'll deal with it. This is a very low stakes
1: gig. We're not worried about it. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh jeez. Have you ever had? That I thought happen? of one. Yes. Let's hear it. I thought of an unpopular opinion, and I might get. I'm knock on wood because this might be my famous last words. <laughs> Gate checking your guitar. Is not that bad. Okay, Ooh, it's not that bad. All right, I've done it a million times, and I've I, I've done it a million times, and to this day, nothing bad has ever happened. Knock on one wood. time. Knock on one wood. time out of the dozens and dozens of times I've done it, they forgot to put it on the plane, so they so they put it on the next flight, but I still made the gig. Everything was cool. Okay, don't be afraid to gate check your guitar, and I'll tell you why. It actually shows <laughs> a little bit of grace (laughs) because what they don't want is a musician with a hot head coming on there demanding space and my underpants your underpants are not as important as this thing that i spent five they don't care right if you go and you say hi i understand i have a guitar i would like to gate check this please by doing that they'll actually they might even be like don't worry about it we'll make space for you right or they'll be like okay this guy's not gonna fight me about it. We'll be nice to his stuff. So, <laughs> so sometimes you gotta play the game. I know I probably just lost seventy thousand Instagram followers by saying this or whatever. I don't care, they're all bots anyway. Yeah. Uh probably I think at this point, I don't even know. Um not really. Maybe they're real. Who knows? If you're real, let me know. Yes. Yeah. Uh but <laughs> but yeah, it's not that bad. I've learned to kind of accept it, you know? Yeah. Go ahead, Chris. What cases
2: do you use?
1: I use two different cases. I use a Reunion Blues double bag and a Mono double bag. Okay, mm. so the same. The Mono, the Mono large. double bag will take a bullet.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And the, the Reunion
1: one's not that bad either. I've gate checked in both of them.
2: See, that makes me feel. Pretty I've not good. had
1: anything. I've not had anything happen. Yeah, I just, because what they do, and and really what they do is they put it in with the strollers. They're not throwing bags on top of it. Right. They're, I mean, they might put a stroller on top, but it's a, it's a guitar. Yeah. You know. And the cases do a maybe pretty good don't job. tour with your 1904 Les Paul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Les you know, you get these guys that are like, oh, United smashed my guitar. It's like, well, you brought a pre war D 28 in like a cardboard <laughs> yeah. case, dude.
2: Yeah.
1: Get an, you need an ATA bulletproof Humvee of a case for yeah. that if you're going to fly with it. Or do the Bonamassa thing and buy a seat. Right.
2: Yeah. But right. like,
1: so many of these guitar dis- destruction things, it's kind of, I hate to say it, but a lot of times it's like, dude, you got, that's the wrong case. Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> that's true. You know, um, I don't know. Whatever. That, Knocking that's, on, my desk isn't even real wood. Yeah. Fiber <laughs> yeah. Knock on linoleum. Yeah. But, you know, uh, knock on one of these guitars. <laughs> yeah. There you go.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. I, 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 when i checked uh I, I have a mono case i also traveled with, with a reunion blues recently and it worked mm-hmm. fine i was very nervous about it because i i've only traveled with a guitar a handful of times um i luckily never had anything um get lost but it is a bit nerve-wracking mm-hmm. when you give when you give them well that's the thing. stuff
1: and I'll say that the, checking it is different than gate checking.
0: Okay, that's that's why I wanted to ask. There's, you're making a distinction here, okay. right? How do,
1: gate, Yes, gate checking is where you take your guitar in your hopefully padded gig bag through security. Yeah. They might open it up, whatever. Um, and you go to the gate where you, you hand them your boarding pass and then they give you a little tag and you leave it at the jet bridge. That There's a the baggage handler takes it downstairs and puts it in a compartment with the strollers right. and then when you get off the plane he brings it back to you he or she brings it back to you checking it at the ticket counter is a whole other thing and i i agree with everyone who hates that because i hate that too yeah but gate checking is not as bad everyone's afraid to gate check and they get on the plane they're like, "Oh, there's room in the overhead." it's like bro it's they're not it's not your plane it's not if if it was your plane you you'd be on the Iron Maiden plane. Yeah, or they exactly. have Their own plane. It's not your plane. You're one out of nine thousand people that need to get where they're going. Totally. Don't be that guy. Totally. Just be cool, and they'll be cool to you most of the time. Ninety percent of the time. Yeah, yeah, I like that. So I, uh, unpopular I, I, opinion, I, I know.
0: No, I, I, that's a good one. I, I I wasn't able to even get to the gate with my plane last time. I was flying out of LAX, and she was like. Uh, she was like you can't get you can't get past security with that. And I was like, are you sure? She was like, yeah, you got to you got to go check it now. So then ever since then I've just been like not I just check my but I have to try and next time I was trying to get through security with it just I was going to say that you're just taking what,
2: her word What at kind it?
1: of guitar do you have? Um I was traveling with my strat. Oh, Yo, dude, you can run over a strat with a truck. Yeah. And it'll play. <laughs> You can gate check all. You can gate check that all day long.
0: Yeah, and I've got my mono case with it too, so I'm not super worried You're about fine. it. Fine. I just don't want them to lose it. That's more what I'm concerned about. But that's
1: the, that, like I said, that's happened. They've I've th- that was the one time when it just got put on the next flight, and that was out of dozens and dozens of gate checks. Yeah, it's
0: a rare occasion. Yeah.
1: So that and they were just like, what? Like they couldn't believe it. They were like, how the hell did we screw that up? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Oh, well, um, that's certainly comforting to know anyway. that it doesn't happen that yeah. often. checking it at the ticket counter is a whole other thing. If you're going to do that, you better have, you know, the defense contractor Blackwater case. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, <laughs> you know, good luck. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, well, Mark, thanks so much for being here again, man. This is a lot of yeah, fun. my pleasure. Really it's glad nice to chat. have a conversation with you. Uh, good luck with everything. Uh, we'll always be keeping a lookout. Yeah. You know, hope to see you out there with our own stuff sometime.
1: Right on, fellas. Thanks a lot, guys. Yes, sir. All right, man. Peace. Talk to you later. Bye.